Hey everyone, Justin here with Whitetail Theories Podcast. On the mic today, we have one of our pro staff members, Ezra Dean. What's going on, Ezra? Howdy, glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you, man. I, I see you've been having a pretty good season so far. Yeah, I've been able to do quite a bit of hunting, and um, we're still after the elusive whitetail here in Maine, but been able to go down to Pennsylvania. We hunted whitetail down there, and... Um, didn't get a deer, but did get a bear. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. And uh, yeah, I did get a doe in Maine and got a bear in Maine trapping, actually, which we can get into that later as well. And got some turkeys in the spring, killed some grouse. So overall, yeah, it's been been a pretty good season. For sure. And, and I'm really glad you were able to get on because like we had talked about before, we, I feel like we see a lot of... Um, you know, white-tailed deer and, and things like that, which is great. We all love that. I mean, this is White-tailed Theories podcast, but we wanted to give Bear a little bit of attention. Um, so, you know, what better person to get on than you? I know consistently you usually do pretty well bear hunting. Um, I know when I, like, hear your name or see you, I think of bear over really anything else. Um, so I definitely would like to, you know, we can throw a few tips here um, and just kind of help people overall that are, are kind of getting into it or, or want to kind of get into it. But Kind of to start this episode, a little icebreaker here, something we like to do on each episode. Um, kind of tell us how you got into hunting. Yeah, so, you know, I'm born and raised in Maine, and obviously Maine is a very, uh, it's rich in tradition as far as the hunting community, and, you know, it's a, it's a great state to hunt. Um, you know, we have one of the, I think, the highest population of moose in the lower 48, and we have, you know, black bears and deer and turkeys and we have you know other small game and great fishing so it's, it's really a in many ways a sportsman's paradise and um, my dad he grew up in Greenville which is in northern Maine and you know grew up deer hunting and bird hunting and kind of when you know life gets busy for everyone he kind of got away from it a little bit but as those kids started to get you know a little older um, and kind of were showing some interest in it he started taking us out uh, deer hunting and you know it was a big deal for us, but, you know, it was just mostly a, a walk in the woods. It's kind of how we would do it. We'd only go out a couple times a year you know, when he had time, and we would go back out in the woods and just take our guns, and we'd walk around. We'd kill some squirrels. We'd look for deer. You know, never did get the deer doing it that way, but it instilled just a passion to want to do more. Um, and so in Maine, you can hunt um, on your own at 16. You have to be with, a, you know, someone who's older. A licensed hunter um before then but uh and 16 you can hunt on your own so when i turned 16 i just started kind of just as much as i could and i really just started with deer hunting um because the other types of hunting were just foreign to me i had no idea how to do them i had never done them um so you know but really just got into deer hunting hardcore and once i kind of got better at that and figured out a lot um you know about deer hunting and how to do it especially in maine I decided, okay, well now it's, now I want to hunt more. So obviously we have many seasons. So what can I hunt that gives me more time in the field? And so started looking into turkey hunting um, and got into that. A friend of mine actually got me into bird hunting um, and started doing that, fell in love with that, started doing that on my own. Um, and then eventually started doing that with, you know, as, as dad got more time, started doing that with him. And then, you know, again, just continually, continuously looking for more things to hunt okay we have a bear season how do you do that you know what is that and um started getting into that and pretty soon you know you you barely have any other time but to hunt if you do everything so but anyway that's kind of how i started getting into it you know and um had some people show me some stuff and 
but that that first initial you know passion for the outdoors was definitely from my father that's awesome man and i mean being being in maine you guys have a, a good bit of opportunity up there yeah we really do it's you know like i said even when it comes to you know fishing we have some of the best um you know fly fishing we have awesome fly fishing and you know we're, we're regular fishing we have offshore you know tuna fishing um obviously the lobster industry is big here that's not really a, a necessarily a sport thing but you can go do that if you really want to you know come up there's people that will take you out but um yeah you know there's there's great um saltwater fishing as as well as you know freshwater fishing especially in the spring when the trout are running um in the lake or sorry in the uh, streams and and rivers and things like that and then we do have uh, landlocked salmon um we have striper bass down in southern maine that people love to go after in the spring so lots to do with fishing and you know um, turkeys and and maine is a great success story as far as the turkey population as well because you know 25 years ago there wasn't a turkey to be found in maine um and now there's now there's and i could be slightly off on the on the time frame but it was a number of years ago there was there was no turkeys and they reintroduced them and now there's so many you can in a lot of the zones, you can kill two in the spring and five in the fall. So it's crazy. I mean, oh, in the wow. zone I live in, I can kill seven turkeys a year if I want to. That's how uh, plentiful they are. So, yeah, it's anywhere from that to grouse hunting to, you know, um, predators, you know, bobcat, coyotes, fox, all that, you know, moose, um, bear, deer. It's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. No, nah, that, that is awesome, man. I mean, a lot of opportunity. My brother actually lives in Maine, and I've been wanting to get up there, you know, as soon as I can for sure. It's just very, very, uh, you know, alluring, like, you know, how Alaska is in, in the West. To me, it's like, you know, the East Coast is great. I, I love hunting all the states, but, you know, it's just something about Maine. I feel like, you know, it's up there on a level of, like, how the UP is and stuff. It's just, you know, you can get off the grid. Um, we had a guy that went on a moose hunt with his family and, you know, they went out camping and, you know, did the whole, you know, you know, just camping experience with the family. And it looks like they had a really good time and they ended up getting a moose too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's the thing, even if, you know, even if you're not into maybe hunting or fishing, there's plenty to do as far as hiking and camping and just recreation in Maine. Um, you know, the snowmobile industry is huge. I mean, it brings in something like and it's, I don't even want to throw the figure because I'll probably butcher it, but it's an insane amount of money it brings to the state every year. Um, ice fishing is a major thing, and I mean they have ice fishing tournaments and derbies, and you know that really gets a lot of families um, involved because you know that's something that you can kind of do with the whole family, and that's pretty awesome. So we do some of that as well in the winter um, once it starts getting once the the lake starts freezing over here, which will be pretty soon. It's about in the 20th today so it was it was down to like in the teens the other night so it will it'll be uh it'll be freezing over before we know it oh yeah you guys will be ready i was talking to greg not too long ago and he's in minnesota and he literally said like it's to the point where they'll be out there like within a week or two uh yeah yeah we were duck hunting on saturday um and there's a buddy i'm not i'm i'm just one of the things you know always looking for new things to try and one of the newer things i've been trying is duck hunting i'm not really a water follower i i i want to be but you know it's a lot for me to learn and, and there's a lot to there is a fair amount to get into it as far as gear and things so i'm slowly trying to acquire the gear and do it right but um he was down um he lives in northern maine he was down and so me and uh, him and another buddy went out and as we were sitting there you know we had a decoy out and everything we could literally 
within the three hours we were sitting there, you could watch the ice forming in front of us on the pond. It was just, by the time we got done, there was like literally feet more of ice further out than there was when we started. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool to see, but yeah, it's getting pretty cold here. So. Oh man. I can't do the cold, man. Everybody knows for the listeners out there, I live in Florida. I've been up north for a couple of weeks now, and uh, I, let's just say I wear about two long John Bates layers, thick pants, uh, two socks, uh, probably like six layers of – they were making fun of me at bear camp because I had about six layers on, you know, the double hoodie, double base layers. And I'm like, hey, guys, I, I got hand warmers putting all the creases of my body, you know, my armpits and, you know, legs <laughs> and underwear and all that stuff because I was just like, it's so cold. But, you know, I, that definitely makes for good hunting. And I tell you what, you know, being up north, I love hunting the south. I really do. I love the hot weather. A lot of people don't, but I enjoy it. Um, but I will say, like, you know, just the, the difference in um, not terrain, but just the difference in environment as far as, like, you know, I could sit there up there and watch almost a 1,000 yards into a gully um, you know, and could literally hear a pin drop, you know, and that's not the same in the South. You can't, uh, we always used to do um, kind of experiments where we would walk and we'd say, can you hear me now? And we would just do it at a normal pace, like uh, normal volume, like what we're doing right now. And um, we literally would get maybe like, gosh, 10 yards and you couldn't hear the person anymore. Mm. So we got this little joke we have, like when we're turkey hunting, we, uh, you know, we'll talk and, and we're hog hunting, deer hunting, because they're not going to hear you till they're about 10 yards, 15 yards in. Um, just because there's so much vegetation that it just, that sound just bounces, you know, yeah. it's blocked. But so Ezra, um, this episode, we were going to talk a little bit about bear hunting. Um, I'd, let's uh, let's kind of start a little segue into it of uh, how's your season going? Because I know you did some trapping for bear. You went to another mm-hmm. state and killed bear. And from what I hear, you know, especially being at bear camp for um, this past week in Pennsylvania, it's not something that's considered easy. I think Jimmy had told me the percentage of success. Um, now, obviously, we know doing drives and things um, do move the bears a little bit better. But I'm talking about that early season when you got yours. Um, but just tell us a little bit about uh, kind of how your season's going and, and what you what you have going on. Because I know you killed two bears this year so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll start out with the um, – I guess I'll start out with Pennsylvania deer and then we'll, we'll move on to the, the main bear. But Pennsylvania was, you know, I'd like to say it was, you know, all my skill and tactic um, – and to a degree when the moment happened, yes, it is. But um, where we were, there just happened to be a, you know, a decent population. So we're not giving away any specific spots, but, you know, we were in Tioga County uh-huh. um, in the Stony Fork area, <clears throat> Wellsboro, somewhere through there. And um, that's where we typically go down to, to deer hunt, you know, archery last week, uh, October. Anyway, and the area where we're hunting, my buddy down there was getting a lot of uh, trail camera pictures of bear. And so, you know, I had originally bought my license earlier on in the year so I could apply for the doe lottery down there, but I didn't buy my bear tag. So as we're leading up to us going down there a month, month and a half out, you know, you start seeing not like every day or, you know, there'd be like every week, maybe every other week, you'd see a picture of a bear coming through or something. And it was just enough to be like, you know what, for 36 bucks, I think I'm going to go buy the bear tag and have it because if a bear walks through and I don't have the bear tag, it's just, I'm going to, I'm going to kick myself later. So we got down there, went to Walmart, pick up a bear tag. And, um, I was, I was very glad, <laughs> very glad that I, that I did that. So we were, uh, I think it was, it was Wednesday or Thursday. I want to say it was Thursday. Um, 
and my buddy was actually sitting with me in the stand. It was, it was, it's not like a stand. It's more like a, almost like a box blind with no, no walls. You know what I mean? They built this structure on this property where it's private property we're hunting. You know, they have all these sort of blinds built and so it can fit a couple guys in there. And so he was sitting with me and figured he'd, you know, maybe film or we just hang out passes the time, you know, when you're sitting there for hours. So he had killed a nice buck the night before. Um, so he was sitting with me and, and the deer were coming in and, but they were acting really, really weird. Um, and you know, there's a lot of does. I think there was a small buck there and they were just like, at first I thought, is it us? Are they picking us off? But they weren't really looking at us. They were just like, like it took a doe. Like normally they would come down the mountain cause we're hunting on the side of this mountain, like a shelf of this mountain. Uh-huh. And uh, we're on like the third shelf up basically. And so it's a, it's a pretty cool hardwood area, you know, and you can see a good ways and it's, it's really, really cool. Um, so this doe comes down and normally she'd just come running right down into this little food pot that's there. And it took her like 15 minutes to get down in, in there. And she was just, you know, high alert and all the does high alert. And so we were kind of chatting we're like, well, maybe there's this really big, you know, we're hoping, all right, maybe there's this really big buck up there and he just has them all freaked out. Cause so then we started hearing something we're like, wow, man, it's, it's not moving like a doe, you know, it's not quick. It's not walking fast. It, it's, it's moving like maybe a big mature buck, just really slow, kind of lumbering along. And then I, I said to him, I said, well, it could be a bear. He's like, yeah, could be. I said, I mean, that would explain. It wasn't five, 10 minutes later at most where he, we were starting to hear that sound more and more. And he po- pulls up the binos and he's like, oh dude, there's a big bear coming down. And I couldn't see it from from my vantage point. He was to my left, and he could he could see her. And he's like, "Yeah, she's gonna come right down through here." And she had a couple. Um, I'm not gonna say cubs because they weren't that year's bear. They were the previous year's year's bear um, with her. So she wouldn't have even. One thing I like to point out is, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, we hear here. I'm sure everyone who bear hunts hears it. There's the whole, not controversy, but you know, people are. Every state's different how they allow bears to be harvested, whether it's with yearlings or, you know, with most um, any place like I've ever hunted that has a spring season. Like in Canada, they don't allow you to kill a, a sow in the spring with cubs because they would be that they would be have been born in the den that winter. Obviously, they're not going to survive without their mother. But um, come fall, 90 percent of those bears will survive without the sow. Um, and then obviously that number like goes to 100 percent once you move into the following year. So this, these bears here were certainly, they were, they were very big. They were over a hundred pounds, the bears that were with her. Um, so they wouldn't have been this year's bear. They would have been the previous year's. She would have kicked them out be, before they um, denned anyway. So I like to put, put that out there because some people think, oh, you shot a sow and I had cubs. And it's just, you know, I like to preface that because that's not the case. But anyway, right. so she was coming down the um, mountain and, and they were kind of following him. And he's like, you're going to want to get your bow. And I'm, I've never, you know, seen a bear in Pennsylvania. I'm thinking, get my bow, like, right now? I mean, I, I, I don't even see this bear. Why am I grabbing my bow? And he's like, it's going to happen quick. I was like, okay, well, you know, you're the expert down here. I grabbed my bow. And I was glad I did because in Maine, you know, in Maine, a lot of times we're hunting them over bait. And they're coming in, you know, average time on bait is going to be like 20 minutes. And so you're going to, they're going to work their way in real slow and cautious. They're going to come in. You're going to be, have plenty of time to see them usually and, and just, you know, be slow and methodical. But he's like, down here, they're not. There's nothing to keep them here, right? They're just moving through. Um, you know, there wasn't any corn around. There wasn't anything in that food plot that they were going to be eating. So they're just they're just passing through. 
so she comes down and and fortunately it, it worked out perfect because he can you know, he had the range finders ranging hers okay 35 yards 30 yards 27 yards at 27 yards she just locked up and was just staring right it seemed to be right at she could have been past us i don't know we weren't moving but just straight on you know head on i couldn't shoot her like that obviously and so it seemed like in eternity it was probably you know 30 seconds at most but it felt like you were there for like 30 minutes staring at her and then she turned broadside and um i you know he said 25 yards right there and she was walking but very slow and so i just put it on her and shot and i knew i hit her it was it was a clean pass through and she you know ran off and um yeah so i mean ended up hitting her a little further back than than i would have liked but i won't get into it but there was actually a i found out there was missing a part to my bow and it was actually causing my bow to be off so that was a fun um revelation that i had to get fixed but anyways so um but ended up making you know it was a it was a kill shot and we ended up recovering her later on so getting her that night so anyways that that's the story of of that bear and um i didn't really it didn't really sink in at first like you know because i've killed bears and not that it's not a big deal to kill a bear it is you you know for me it's still a big deal and but when i got kind of showing people and talking to them it you know everyone was like you know that's a pretty big deal in pennsylvania especially with archery equipment you know that's what i hear and and not only that but she was a she had an ear tag so that was pretty cool um she was a nuisance bear at one point in the campground they end up trapping her live trapping her two years ago um almost to the date it was two years ago and they moved her like a whole county over and in that two years she put on over 100 pounds because uh, she weighed almost 300 pounds when i killed her and she weighed just under 200 like 180 when when they trapped her um and she moved all the way back within a couple miles as the crow flies of where she was originally live trapped so she somehow she found her way all the way back to where she was I guess she called that place home and she didn't want to leave there. So she worked her way back and yeah, I ended up killing her, you know, like I said, a couple of miles from where they originally trapped her. So kind of interesting. No, but, uh, it's great to hear that story behind it, man, because when we had bear camp, that was one thing we did, you know, we go over all the expectations and stuff and don't get me wrong, man. You know, most of the people that come to these things, they understand, you know, hunting's hunting. Um, to me personally, as much time and effort and money we put into hunting, um, you know, the kill is extra, you know, it's, it's all oh, the stuff sure. that comes with it, especially when you go to bear camp, as far as, you know, the culture and camaraderie and all that other stuff. But suit, well, you know, when I went up there, they straight set the tone and was like, Hey, you know, bears here are like, you get one, you know, they're, they're there. It's not that they're saying, Oh, there's not a good population because there is, mm it's just they're elusive you know they're very elusive you know your boards are staying up top there's a lot of camps so obviously you know they're seeing bears in the summer and stuff down at the camps but um i've been seeing the the bears that were taken this year from you know i went on a few pennsylvania facebook sites and um you know through service site you know we have over a thousand members and a lot of them were doing the bear hunting and pa you know from what i've seen a lot of the bears taken this year were uh nuisance bears you know they either had the tattoo or a tag yeah yeah, it, you know, I, I fully expect to never get a bear again in Pennsylvania in my life. Really? And, and that's not being that's not being pessimistic. That's just that's how, you know, that that's how difficult it, it could be. Now, I'm hoping if I hunt there another 20 years, then maybe I'll, you know, I'll have another opportunity. But it definitely is something to be very thankful for. You know, very it, it's really a cool experience. I mean, I pulled into the the station to, you know, the check station because that's one thing um, 
a lot of people probably know this, especially being from Pennsylvania, but, you know, down there, bears are taken pretty seriously, like, unlike deer, where you just have to report them through a report card, you actually have to take the bear um, to the check station, and they have people that look at it, take, you know, measurements, and tooth samples, and all that type of stuff, much like they do here, and uh, when I pulled in, there was another guy, and he'd been, he said he'd been hunting, I'm guessing he was in his 40s, and he said he hunted Pennsylvania his whole life, born and raised, and that was his first bear. He was checking a bear, too, you know, so there he is, probably hunted Pennsylvania almost 30 years, and that was his first first bear, so um, definitely, definitely, a, a, you know, a, a cool uh, experience, and you mentioned the, the nuisance aspect of it, and, you know, we can get into this a little later on if we want to, but, you know, that's a big um a big factor with um, bear hunting is bears are not, you know, when, when it comes to bears and, and nuisance problems, you know, um, that's really the point. The, the, a key to controlling the population is hunting. You know, without hunting, there's nothing really, um, there's no predators for the black bears um, for the most part. So the only thing that really can keep them in check is hunting. And that's why it's very, very important for, you know, states to um, allow that. And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, that's not always seen um, by the people in leadership in those in states. But, you know, fortunately, sometimes it, it um, comes back around like we see in New Jersey. They're going to reinstate that. So that's a big win. Um, after they did away with it, they started having many, many nuisance bears and you know human to bear encounters um in populated areas and all that type of stuff so yeah um hunting is definitely the the best thing for the black bear population to you know keep it in check and to have a healthy population yeah i I definitely agree um you know my state unfortunately you can't kill black bears and they man i couldn't even words couldn't even put i couldn't even put it into words how much destruction they cause i mean we literally have bear crossing signs in florida people think it's palm trees and and just uh you know uh margaritas and stuff and it's literally you know a bear you know mecca if you will i i don't you know because they have georgia where they can float through georgia you know down the appalachian mountains they can come right into northern florida um i hear the panhandle is absolutely ridiculous because you have alabama you know i'm pretty sure you know don't no don't shoot the messenger here but i'm pretty sure like alabama has some pretty strict bear hunting like as far as they just do zones and things and Mm. you know florida we have a you know you can't kill them and i tell you what i see a lot of bears i see more i grew up in western virginia we used to bear hunt with dogs growing up um, and I seen way more bears living in Florida hunting than I ever seen growing up in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, Virginia is a place where you can, you can hunt them, you know, and they can hunt them with dogs there too and everything. And, um, one thing, one thing, I guess, transitioning a little bit off that into, you know, Maine, um, the story of the bear this year, which kind of goes into the whole conservation thing because it was a, a trapping bear. So Maine is the only um, state in the lower 48. So I think Alaska is the only other state in the United States where you can actually trap bears. So obviously Alaska, their black bear season is they're like a nuisance there. They're op- it's open all year long. Um, but in Maine, we don't have a spring season, um, which is we could certainly sustain a spring season. I mean, I've gone over to Canada uh, three different years over to New Brunswick and hunted bears in the spring and it is a blast i mean it's just it's such a different experience because you know in in the fall the bears are feeding you know they're they're getting ready to den they're putting fat on and they're just way more leery um 
and you know sort of ghost-like and hesitant to come in sometimes to baits and every little any little thing will scare them off whereas in the spring that's their mating season and they're just going crazy i mean you could kill a bear on a bait and two hours later go in put someone else there and probably kill another bear i mean we've hauled bears off baits where we can literally hear the bears waiting for us to leave just to come in they're they're just it's almost to the point where it's not they're not afraid of you enough (laughs) um and i have a friend over there and, and talking with him you know he has an outfitter business and when people weren't able to come across the border due to the whole you know COVID thing obviously they weren't able to kill as many bears and so it was just i mean they were starting to see way more bears um than they even did before which was a lot and so this year finally um people were over there this spring hunting and everyone that came to his outfitter killed a bear or two because you can kill up to two in the spring and i mean they had a like 125 percent success uh this year so it's that's pretty awesome but i mean that's just you know if bears are left unchecked that's what happens they just ex- the, the numbers just explode um and the other thing is that you know bears um in maine they kill more fawns every spring than coyotes do so you know a lot of people think of bears as just these herbivores or are who are just you know eating plants and berries and things like that which is true they do that um especially in the later part of the year towards the summer and fall they don't really go after the the meat as much when they first come out of their dens they're looking for that you know protein they're going after fawns they're going after the small deer and they kill more in maine every year than the coyotes do so then they transition sort of over to the you know the berries and the raspberries blackberries beech nuts um, acorns all that type of stuff but um so maine like i said they allow they allow trapping and our population is getting to the point where i mean we we allow three different types of um well really four different types of of hunting um for for black bears and that's a good thing because even with that our population is still getting to the point where it's it's getting almost almost too big um so they're really trying to make it easier for people to to harvest bears so it was it, it used to be you could hunt them with um we had just an open season. So basically from, you know, from the start of the bait season through the end of deer season, if you see a bear, you can, you can kill it. That's, that's kind of how the, how it goes. And, um, that tag comes with your regular license. You don't have to buy any additional tags. So that would just be like, I'm out in the woods, I'm deer hunting in November and this year they're already denned up. But if they, if it was a warmer year, maybe I see a bear, I, I can kill that bear. Um, I think they said this is a statistic from a couple years ago, but it was less than 5% of the bears taken every year in Maine or with that or that method, you know, still hunting spot and stock. Um, there really is no such thing as spot and stock in Maine because the woods are so, so thick. You're lucky to see something, you know, so it's like, I understand that one. <laughs> I was talking, there was a, some guy posted a, um, a question in one of the bear hunting pages here. from out of state he's coming up and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm going on a spot and stock hunt. Any advice? Literally, like, all the advice was, don't do it. <laughs> hunt over bait. Because you, he, like I said, I have, like, three or four days to hunt. And they're like, you know, hey, like, more power to you. But three or four days to hunt for a black bear in Maine is nothing. Spot and stock, you're not, you're not simply not going to see one. And maybe if you catch one cruising the power line or something like that. But um, but anyway, so it's, like, less than 5%. I think it was, like, around 3% every year are killed that way. Um, so the other uh, method is, obviously, our biggest season is bait and you can start baiting in um, basically the beginning of august so the whole month of august you can bait and then you can start hunting them over bait in september 
and there's about four weeks of bait season, so all of September. Um, and then the other method, one of the other methods, is trapping. And trapping starts, um, it used to be the middle of September. Now it's like you have the opening day, and then the next day you can set your traps. Um, and then hunting with uh, hounds or dogs, uh, that can start uh, around the middle, it's around the third week. I believe it is the third week of the season you can start um, running them with dogs. So, you know, there's plenty of opportunity for the hunter to decide which method they want to, they want to use, um, with the, the bait, I think, again, these are statistics from a couple years ago, but I believe it was something around 80, 83% of the bears killed every year in Maine are over bait. Um, and then you have the small percentage, you know, three to 5% that are killed just kind of still hunting or you know, happening across a bear. And then the other percent, whatever that is, 10, 12, 15 is, um, with dogs, um, now that was sort of before the whole trapping thing. So, you know, obviously trapping is going to fall in there at some point. Um, now with the updated statistics, I'd have to look at it and see what percentage are through um, means of trapping. But uh, this year they did change it. So it was, you had to have your full trapper's license. You got to take a course, you have to get your full, you know, trapper's license. You could trap anything in the state of Maine, but that that's what you had to have to get your, um, you know, to trap a bear. Um, and they just saw that as kind of a, you know, a lot of hunters weren't getting their trapper's license because of all the work involved in it, when really they just wanted to be able to trap a bear. They weren't involved, you know, they weren't interested in going after beavers or, you know, pine martin or fox or bobcat or anything. They just like, oh, I want to trap a bear. So fortunately the state kind of heard that and they're like, okay, we're going to put a new um, program in place where it's strictly, you can go and strictly get your bear trapper's license. Um, most of it can be done online, if not all of it. You can go through, pass a test, then you have to, you know, fill out paperwork, send it in, um, pay some money, and you and you get your your trapper's license. So that is um, that that's a big change for this year because it allowed people to not have to go through the whole process of getting a uh, a trapper's license just to be able to trap trap bears. So um, yeah, so again, Maine has Maine has done I think a very good job of you know making it. Um, possible to hunt many different ways and to really put things in place to be able to control that, um, the population. So, yeah, I, I think when you compare them to some other states with bears, I think they've, like I said, we're the only one in the lower 48 that can trap. And I think we're, we're, one thing I will say is they're doing a pretty good job when it comes to that here. Now, which one are you enjoying more so far? Are you enjoying the, um, you know, the hunting over bait or are you enjoying the trapping more personally? Well, so this year my bear I killed was was trapping. I didn't have a lot of time to, so I baited. I have a, a spot um, down where I live, um, and I had a couple sites, and I, you know, gotten a bear on this property in 2019, I believe, and I knew there was plenty of bears around, so I was getting, I had like three or four different bears coming to this bait, and it was doing really well. There was really not a lot of natural feed where I was. Like there's a lot of beech trees on this tract of land. There was no beech nuts this year no raspberries some blackberries but they didn't last long so there was really a we had basically a drought this spring and summer and it started a lot more rain coming towards the fall but because of that the, the you know the berry crops and stuff were not doing as as good they were just you know, real shriveled up and stuff and so the bears were hitting it really good and then it seems like every year there's always a a, a portion of time where it's like they just disappear and you're like what in the world like they're just gone you know and then they all of a sudden come back and it's just 
you know, whatever, I, I don't know what they do or where they go, but um, sometimes it might be they're hitting another bait site or they found an area with natural feed. And obviously if there's natural feed, they're, they're going to want to hit that first before they come to your bait, you know, which is a lot of times, you know, like a, I use like a trail mix. Basically it's, you know, four or five different times of nuts. There's some sweet stuff in there. Um, you really, if you're baiting, you really have to use something with, you know, it's can't, I think you're, some guys just use donuts and that's fine, but you're not going to do as well. I don't think with just something sweet, there needs to be something to keep them coming because they know what they need going into their den. They need something with, you know, some substance to, to get that fat on. So bring them in with the sweet stuff, but have something like a good amount of nuts there that they really you want to stay there and eat. Um, so I didn't have many chances to sit. I think maybe I sat four or five times over bait. Um, and I, I guide up at a, um, a bear camp for all of the season. And so it was only like weekends. I would come back and I'd be able to sit like on a Saturday afternoon, you know, and then I'd have to go back up the following Sunday and, you know, be up there all week. And I'd come back and have a Saturday to sit. So it was, you know, very limited time. So the third week I put my trap out and you have to check your trap every day. You can't just put a cell camera on it and say that's good enough. Um, you know, cause you could have a bear in there, but a cell cam could malfunction and everything like that. So you have to physically check your trap every day. So it's a big commitment. Um, I do run a cell cam on it because that way, if the bear is trapped and it's nine o'clock at night, I can go dispatch it right away. I don't wait Good. till the morning. You know, there's a chance it gets off and it's just, no one wants to have it sit there for eight hours. Um, so that's what, that's what I do. And, and then the beauty of it is you can dispatch it at night. Um, you can dispatch it on a Sunday. We have no Sunday hunting in Maine, but you can keep your trap out seven days a week and you can dispatch on Sunday or at night. So that's nice. And so um, it was literally, I had, I had that one week off and I was back up to bear camp for the hound season. And so I had the trap up all week and it was literally that it was Saturday night and I was going to have to pull the trap Sunday morning before I headed up to bear camp. Um, and I was like, man, you know, there had, there had not been a bear on that site all week long. And this, it was the, it had been six days since a bear had been there and the longest it had gone all season without seeing a bear one other time was six days and i was like wow we're i was like we're gonna like man nothing you know and, and i'm like it's i was kind of getting discouraged i'm like ah, it's not gonna happen you know well it is what it is you can't make them come to the site and then all of a sudden i'm just sitting on the couch watching tv and i was kind of like almost half asleep i was beat and my wife was sitting there and all of a sudden my phone goes off and I pull up and I just see a big black blob on the trail camera, like right away. And I could tell it was trapped. I jumped up. I was holding the baby. <laughs> I just like passed her the baby really quick. I'm like, I gotta go. And she's like, like, she like all worried. She thought something was wrong. I'm like, cause she was like half asleep. And I'm like, no, 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 nothing's wrong. I'm like I, I got a bear in my trap and you know, I want to get out there. You know, I'm 25 minutes away from this, this thing. And I'm, I want to get out there and make sure it didn't, get out because you know there's it's tension it's a tension cable you never know um i just had a buddy send me a picture like two days ago of a big bear his friend had gotten on in a trap and in two hours it got out and you know i had that running through my mind the, the whole time out there so i i hightailed it out there doing a little bit more than the speed limit we'll just say <laughs> and you know um one thing is is prepare right so i always keep everything i'm gonna need in my truck for the whole season 
So I'm not like, oh, I have a bear. Let me, okay, I need my gun. I need this. Right. It's like, nope, it's all my truck. So start the thing up and you, and you go. My brother was right down the road at my parents' house. So I was able to get him because at this point it's almost nine o'clock at night. And, um, you know, it's a little freaky going in there in the dark with a bear that's trying to get out of this cable snare. So, oh, yeah. um, I'm sure. So, <laughs> which is also exciting. I've done it before with another friend of mine. We've gone in and, and done it. It was like one in the morning and it's, it is pretty exciting. But so then anyway, we go in there and, and sure enough, he was still in there. You could hear him thrashing. And, um, you know, for the most part, once they're in that trap, they don't really know. It, it's a, so what kind of hard to explain here, but basically it's a, it's a tube that's in the ground and it's recessed 12 inches below the surface. Um, and there's a trigger mechanism in there that basically when they go for the bait is you put it in like a, a bag of some sort, like a game bag or an onion bag or something where they can't just scoop it out. They have to actually reach in and try to grab that bag of bait out. And when it does that, it sets off, it pushes basically this trigger mechanism up and then it, it slides the cable, this cable stretched over the tube and it slides that cable off and, and tightens around there. There's a spring that kind of pushes it, tightens around their, their arm. It's very, you know, humane, I guess, if you want to go there, it's very, you know, they, it, it doesn't, um, it's a live trap. So it doesn't like clamp. It doesn't do anything like that. And, and they're just basically there. They can't get out. A lot of times they just lay down there. They sit there and, you know, sometimes they're a smaller bear might really thrash and, and want to get out. And, um, anyway, so we walk in there and, you know, and you dispatch it and it, it's a very effective, um, way of harvesting a bear. It's a very, you know, it, it's cool because it's like, Hey, our ancestors were probably doing this, you know, hundreds of years ago, a thousand years ago, um, you know, in this very area. So it, it's cool that we have that method of, you know, it kind of seems very primitive and it is, and it, I kind of like that. Um, I kind of like that. It's very old school. I like that. It's kind of a unique method of doing things. Um, and not a lot of people have the opportunity to do it. So, um, yeah, it's, it was really cool. It ended up being a 215 pound, uh, boar, really good, you know, good boar. Um, and yeah, so that was that and pulled the, it literally couldn't have been any last more last minute, you know, pulled the trap and head off to bear camp the next day. So yeah, a good experience for sure. No, it, it, that's awesome, man. I've I've never even heard of bear trapping before, so I, it's that's definitely interesting. I like that you're prepared too, because you know a lot of people they, you know, I feel like a lot. And when I say a lot of people, I'm I'm talking about me, um, and you know, a lot of people that I know that would be in this situation is, you know, you you know, as much as I like to be prepared, you know, especially doing something new such as trapping a bear, you know, how important it is to have that gear ready to go in your truck so that you're not you know, passing the baby off and running around all crazy. And then you'll end up forgetting something like your bullets and you've done drove 25 minutes out there. You've done got halfway through the woods and then the bear sees you, freaks out, whatever, ends up getting off. Um, you know, at least being prepared, you're able to dispatch the animal quicker. Um, you know, it's less stress and, and stuff on the bear and you having your cell camera there. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that's very responsible and ethical and, you know, <clears throat> people hear trapping and I think they just get this mindset of an animal stuck or an animal, you know, a lot of people right. think that the animal gets, you know, it's like head chopped off or something from the, from the trap. Right. And, and it's way more to it. I know when I was in Minnesota, that was one thing I did for the hunt link was I wanted to learn about uh, trapping, you know, just your basic foothold traps, um, you know, your kind of bears for beaver and stuff. And um, that was one thing that, that he had said, same as you was, I like to have a camera near here. I, if I can't check it, every single day or i can't be out there 
you know, in the morning or in the evening, he's like, you know, I like to have that camera there. Um, it definitely helps out a lot, um, you know, with, with just the overall everything. I think pretty much the ethics of it all, um, you know, you're doing what you can to make this process as pain, painless and, and just, um, you know, just a crazy experience, really. I'm sure it was interesting. You walk it up to that, you know, bear trapped in there. Did he freak out pretty good or? Yeah, he did. Like it, it wasn't, you know, um, I got pictures, like a lot of pictures of him and he was just kind of times he was rolling all around times he was just laying there. And, um, so it's, you know, he can't go anywhere cause this cable is attached to a tree at the point when the cable releases, you're done with the tube. The tube is not, it's not like he can rip the tube out of the ground and be gone because it's not attached to that anymore. That's basically just the trigger mechanism that holds right. it and holds the bait. So, yeah, but when we obviously go in and have a headlamp on and he starts thrashing, didn't turn the big light on until we got close and had to make a you know a shot. And the, the thing is you're shooting from 15 feet away. So you get to get really, really close to this thing. Um, and, but yeah, they're, they're, they're thrashing and you know, they're, they see lights coming. They don't. They don't like that. You can kind of hear them off in the distance, and you know it is. It, your heart gets going because you don't know. Okay, is he held pretty good with this thing? Is he not? When he runs off, is he going to run right through us? You know, or, um, but yeah, it, the thing I would say too about the whole trapping thing is it's um, you know, it's something they've been doing for thousands of years, and it's a very effective way to harvest. Um, in this case, a bear. Um, but you know, I will say that it, we have to be really careful. Unfortunately. But we just have to be careful of the way we present that. I think that's very important because, you know, sometimes you'll see and they can do whatever they want. But sometimes you see people, they post pictures and, oh, well, they trapped a bear and the thing's still all wrapped up in the cable and it's got the cable around its arm and it's like all mangled up there. And, you know, it's just it's like, you know, take the time, take the cable off the bear first, you know, set that aside, clean any blood up, whatever the case may be. And, and then take your pictures. And again, I'm not condemning anyone for, for doing it that way. It's just, you know, we need to realize that we need to be very, unfortunately, we live in a world where we need to be very careful about certain things, especially when it comes to, um, in a lot of things like bear hunting and other predators, whether it's, you know, wolves or even coyotes or, you know, bears and all that type of stuff, because that's the thing that people are going after the most. So we need to present things, I think, as best, I think it's part of our job as you know, sportsmen and sportswomen and stuff to just make sure we're presenting ourselves in a good way, especially when it comes to online and, and posting things about it. So, oh, for you know, sure. I agree. make that look as, as humane as you can and as clean as you can and, and take that cable off, you know, first. And um, because it is a very, it's a very humane way of doing it, but that's not how it's viewed by all people. Well, so. It can be taken out of context very fast, you know. It, oh, for sure. And, and things like that snowball, we actually had a recent, um, I won't talk too much about it in detail, but let's just say that um, there was an instance where it was a photo that when you look at it, me and you and maybe someone else understands because of the depredation or whatever tags that you can get on land, on mm -hmm. farmlands. And, you know, I know, you know, a lot of people can kill X amount of deer. You know, I, we have a biologist that lives in New York here and he's, he goes out at night. Um, he says he's killed more deer at night than he's ever killed in his life, and he hunts a lot. Um, but he's a biologist for them, and he gets a lot of opportunities to go, go kill doe. He gets a, right. a lot of opportunities to kill them. Um, and uh, he literally um, – <clears throat> my point with it was I just – we had seen something that – something was just a little unflattering to the sport, and we had to educate and kind of just let them know, like, hey, man, we understand – 
you know, I'm sure you had a, you know, the tags and, and everything was on the up and up, but when it's looked at and out of context, um, that's the issue. It's not about censoring. Nobody wants, you know, I'm not saying, you know, oh, your bear has to be looking perfect when you, right. uh, you know, because we know, yeah, some shots are easy to clean up and others are not so much. Mm. Um, so, you know, especially with snow and stuff, that's really hard to, you know, unless you move the animal, um, you know, and, and to get a good picture. But, you know, all that aside, it's, you know, you are representative, um, especially doing something new, because let's say, for example, you and a lot of people in your state, when you started trapping, was putting up crazy, unflattering pictures. I mean, there's a lot of people that do not like hunting, a lot of anti-hunting, mm. and it only takes one of those photos to get thrown across someone's desk um, in a lawyer or a higher up seeing that. And they're coming after you or they're coming after that state. I feel like Florida, I don't know, the. I've heard rumors, um, but, you know, we won't go into the rumors of it. But, you know, I'm sure that's why we can't hunt bears in Florida. You know, from what I hear, Probably. there was a yeah. moment where in its season it opened back up. And I don't know how true this is, but the, the, the little rabbit hole we'll jump down is we, we have a story that floats around in Florida. Um, I've tried to look it up, but there's actually not much information on it. But the story is they had opened – um, and if anyone's listening to this and you're an old timer and you know the actual story, please comment on here and correct me. Um, but from what I heard, they had opened the season for a short time. They wanted to try it out. Um, it was something like a weekend. They had a crazy limit, you know, of, you know, thousands of bears or whatever that they were able to take. Um, they ended up doing it in like the first day, like half a day into it. And they took a photo with them all laid out. Um, and it just was one of those things where it was like just out of context, people think you're just slaughtering. Um, and in reality, it was a much needed time to cull that population. I mean, they're, they're absolutely out of control. I had a cousin in Disney World that sent me a video um, of a bear swimming in her pool in Orlando. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sitting here like, could you, like, what are the chances of that happening in Maine or Virginia or Pennsylvania? You know, right. I've never heard those stories, but in Florida, it's common. Um, like I told you earlier, we have bear crossing signs. Once you get about an hour north of Tampa, there's actually a lot of bear crossing signs um, that are randomly. And living in Virginia, I don't think I'd ever seen a bear crossing sign. Um, so yeah. it, I, I don't understand it. Uh, I wish I did know the real story behind it, but it does make sense. And people don't realize how important that presentation and and I, I want people to understand too that it's not about attacking you no one's here to, i'm not going to attack someone because they killed a you know a one-year-old deer and then the mom right. or something um especially when i don't know the context of it um but i will say that you know it a picture's worth a thousand words you know right exactly and yeah there's no bear crossing signs i've ever seen in me now we have plenty of deer crossing signs and more populated areas and plenty of moose, you know, moose with flashing lights, you know, moose the next seven miles is because it's a, you know, a, a moose corridor or whatever, but never a bear um, crossing sign. And I think that like, like you said, it's, you know, it's easy to take things out of context. Um, and we've had, you know, as highly successful as Maine's bear hunt has been and as widely popular as it is, we've had two bear referendums um, up for vote, uh, one in 2004 and one in 2014. Um, and they want to end baiting and it literally went to vote. And fortunately, both times it was voted down, but so it can happen anywhere. And that's why we need to be, you know, we never need to think that it can't happen in our state or wherever. I mean, it, it's happened twice in New Jersey. And, and like I said, both, I think once was like 10 something years ago. And then just last year, the year before last 2020, I think, 
Um, and both times they've had to bring it back. I mean, and the governor's already come out and said they're working with the wildlife biologists to reinstate the bear hunt as early as 2023. So, you know, it, it's usually what happens nine times out of 10, it, it gets struck down or done away with for a political reason. And then it comes back when they actually go into the science behind it and the actual biology behind it, like realize, okay, well, you know, human to bear interactions or pet interactions are up 43%. Okay, maybe we should actually look at why that is. Oh, it's because we stopped hunting them altogether. Right. You know, the answer is, the answer is never stop hunting altogether. It, it's never, it will never be the answer and it never has been the answer. Humans are here. You could say we've messed up the, you know, okay, well, we're, we're building here. We're moving into this area. You know, what's happening to the wildlife? Right. You can say that we've kind of, dispersed wildlife to different places you know we've pushed wildlife out of places whatever the case may be but the the thing is is that humans are never going to stop doing that and it's the very ones that want to do away you know developing places that want to do away with hunts that are actually pushing animals to other places it's kind of funny how that works but so what we need to do is we need to find ways to manage that we need to find ways to um you know seasons methods whatever the case may be to not do away with things, but to manage it. And that's, you know, you manage, and it, it's a trickle down effect because you manage the coyote population, you help the deer population, you manage the bear population, you help the deer population, you help the moose, you help those calf moose that, you know, will also get um, gone after by the bears in, in the early season and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's very, it's very important, but it's also important how we present ourselves and unfortunately this is one thing i really like about service side and we've talked about this before is that you know you don't get that that hatred in in our group in our hunt club you know you don't unfortunately sometimes um hunters are our own worst enemies i was just reading actually something that campaigns um posted and he was talking about that very thing uh it, it had to do with um part of it had to do with archery versus like rifle hunting and obviously he's a big time archer and that's all he does but he understands the need for rifle hunting. He is fully for it. He takes people out rifle hunting all the time. He's just as happy for them as someone killing something with a bow. And he even said, he said, sometimes, unfortunately, we're our own worst enemies. And we there's so much interfighting going on amongst the hunting community. When it comes to these bigger issues, we're already divided. You know. And so when, yeah. when a referendum comes across the table or something, you know, we're too busy fighting about should you use a rifle or should you use a bow. And, you know there's there's a place for both of those things and for all of it and i think we need to you know um myself included hopefully we all realize that and you know we can unite um because we have bigger fish to fry as they say um and we need to be uh, so one thing that's awesome about service is no one's like that you know everyone's just there to learn they're there to share and they understand that you know there's more than one way um to do it and you know respect everyone that that does it different ways so that's really neat Oh, no, 100% agree, man. We actually had this conversation before we jumped on the pod, and, um, you know, uniting hunters is so big right now, and that's something that we do here at Service Side. Obviously, we've evolved over the years from, you know, doing videography things and, and all that, but we are pretty set and on track to just be about uniting hunters. Uh, we're going to open up our Hunt Link program a little more to expand it. 
make it a little more easier for people to get the information they need to travel and hunt. Um, and, and that's the thing. Um, you know, I, I'd heard this, uh, someone, we had had a conversation and I was talking about all the states I went to this year and, you know, didn't spend hardly any money because of networking. Networking is king in the hunting industry. Um, mm. I will say that I love hunting alone. I love doing my own thing. You know, you're never, to me personally, I enjoy time with myself. Um, I don't always yep. have to be near someone to have a good time. I enjoy myself and, and, and who I am. And um, when I'm in the woods, it's, it's a lot of mental um, in, in me time. And one thing about Uniting Hunters is I tell people all the time, like, you can still be you. No one's saying that you need to go with a group of 20 to do a deer drive. Um, mm. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, um, you know, you unite in the sense, like you said, of being able to team up and fight together because I was actually talking to a guy in Georgia um, and we were talking about legislation and he's like you wouldn't believe how many hunters have no idea about the legislation that's trying to be passed in a lot of states and you know they'll go to the open house or, or however they do it the mm -hmm. open floor open mic and um, you know they'll be the only ones there fighting um, could you imagine if we stopped worried about uh, fixed or mechanical broadheads and we worried about <laughs> our hunting rights and right you know because at the end of the day like you said it, it's one of those things where it's the fights happening behind you but it's going to happen mm -hmm. whether you hear about it or you don't um, I cut the, I don't watch the news I don't do a lot with the news on social media I've got it to the point where every time I see a news feed I've blocked it off um, because I got tired of the negativity and that's right. one thing that doesn't mean that it's not happening that doesn't mean that it's just because I can't see it, it's not happening. And, um, you know, that I think that's huge. Uh, that's definitely something that us as a company, we want to bring more awareness to. Um, but uniting, man, uniting on all fronts. And like you had mentioned, there isn't negativity. We have a zero tolerance for it. Obviously, we're all, you know, there's some you know, some females in the group, but we have majority males. And, you know, we cut up and, and roast each other and have fun, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, I don't think everyone should be square all the time. I mm -hmm. have a crazy sense of humor myself, um, <laughs> and um, I like having fun. But there's a difference yeah. between joking and cutting someone in half. Um, you know, it's a exactly. huge difference, and you can tell. Um, normally you can tell, even though text can be taken out of context, you can normally tell what's going on. And that's one thing I'm, I'm so proud to say about service site is there's, gosh, I could probably, honestly, there may have been one or two times that we've had to somewhat simmer as something down, not even a big, you know, deal about it. Just a slightly like, Hey, just FYI, you know, we'd like to kind of stray away from that. And then the, yeah. you know, it was all good. You know, it was more of a miscommunication than anything. Um, little yeah. not context on it, but, um, you know, that, that's a big thing, man. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up and, you know, we're definitely glad to have you in the family and there's a lot more coming with what we have going on. And if anyone listening is interested in joining ServiceSite, we are an online hunting community, um, but you don't just have to be tech savvy and be online to be in ServiceSite. We have our own hunting app. Um, we have our hunt link program where you're able to link up with all types of hunters. You don't have to just have 6,000 acres of private land to do it either. In Florida, we hunt one of the most pressured WMAs for turkey that they have in the state of Florida. I um, mean, we always have a great time. We get on the birds. Um, you know, so, you know, for people that think you have to have something to trade, um, it's definitely more than that. I know I want to get up there to Maine. I, I really think I can make it happen next year. I'm supposed to do a bear Yeah, you hunt. should. Dude, I'd love to get up there, man, not just for the hunting, but for the fishing. Yeah, no, we, like I said, we, and even in the summer, awesome bass fishing. I, and I would say, you know, um, something just to anyone out there is if you're, if you don't know 
how to do something or if you're not sure, you know, like you want to try bear hunting and you have no idea how to get started, no idea where to go, you know, anything like that, then then feel free. You know, I, I'm always up for talking with anyone. I've done it before and I'll, I'll do it again for sure. Um, you know, people can message me on social media. I've given people my number. They can call me. You know, I love talking hunting with people. I love helping people out. And that's what, you know, that's what it's all about is, is, you know, if you, if either helping the next generation, whether it's, you know, youth or it's people just trying to expand their hunting horizons, if you will. Um, and so always just, you know, um, just, yeah, if you don't know it, there's always someone that, that will. And that's another, um, great part about service side too is through the hunt links which i have not done one yet i really plan on doing it hopefully next year i have kind of a tentative out of like fall mini deer tour planned um going around visiting a couple states where some family is and then some friends and hunting and so i have i haven't nailed that all down yet but um i'm, I'm hoping to do that next fall and take the whole family too so that'd, that'd be a big like maybe six week long adventure but um hoping to do that and maybe link up with some people in the, in the hunt club at that time. But yeah, just always feel free to reach out. And um, one thing I'll say is, you know, never be afraid to post a question too in the, in the hunt club or on the app, because, you know, I, I'm part of hunting groups uh, just like statewide, not even really hunting groups, just hunting pages. And unfortunately someone will post a very simple question. And next thing you know, is like, Oh boy, this is, this yeah. is a, you know, poor guy just asked a question about a type of ammunition and then, you know, you get anywhere from, you shouldn't be using that to that's not a big enough round to whatever. So very, um, very different in service side. Um, one thing really quick I want to say is yeah, when you were talking about the, um, the hunting, um, you know, the referendums, all that type of stuff is a couple of places is, um, you know, the sportsman, sportsman's Alliance. Um, if you don't follow them, you'll find them on social media, get involved with them. Um, another one's like backcountry hunters and anglers, um, which I need to sign up for actually, cause I keep getting, I was signed up and then I keep getting their mailings and you sign back up. But, um, and then howl.org, um, they put a lot of stuff out, um, and, and really the sportsman's Alliance and howl.org do a lot, um, in regards to, um, getting the word out about these referendums in the state. You can, you know, look at, you can, there's a whole page where you can look at every referendum that's on the table in the state, who to contact about it. Um, you know, it gives your local senators, congressmen, whoever needs to be contacted. Um, it gives you their emails, their numbers, so you can you can hound them about it. Um, and you know, they do a really good job of getting the word out. Um, and you know, as as much as um, people maybe uh, you know meat eater, some people love them, some people hate them. But I will say they do a fairly good job of getting the word out about some of this stuff and and really helping out with some of these. Um, referendums stuff clay newcomb does a great job when it comes to bear hunting you know obviously he publishes bear hunting magazine so he's very heavily invested um and bear hunting has been doing it for many years um and he really puts a lot of good stuff out about these certain bear referendums and things happening in various states and he has a lot of insight into that so he has a podcast too um you know and he talks a lot about that type of stuff but there's places out there to get involved and even if you're not you know able to maybe sign up for these things or support them, you can still follow them and, and keep an eye and ear out for, you know, what's going on. Cause that, like I said, it takes no money and barely any time to send an email to your local Senator or to call their office or something. So, and every one of those calls or emails, it, it really does help and it can sway things. So definitely check those places out because um, very important that we kind of stay in the know when it comes to that stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. Eventually down the road, as we continue to grow, um, we would like to create some type of, um, uh, you know, like way to keep people in the loop with the legislation. We actually do um, help out both of those groups you mentioned. Um, and then also uh, Hunters for Sunday Hunting is one that we've mm. been, um, you know, because whether people are religious or not, uh, personally, I think it's just an old an old rule. And I don't think one day of, of you know, not hunting is going to give animals rest. You know, I, I think that it's just one of those old school things. And um, Can you I, hunt in Florida on Sunday? We can. So I've actually never even lived, even in Virginia, we could hunt on Sunday. I've actually never even lived in a state um, that you couldn't hunt. See, we can't in Maine, and you know, I, it's it's yeah, it's one of those things. I can see it from both ways. You know, I am, I am religious for sure, and I, you know, I'm in church on Sunday, and you know, so I, I wouldn't necessarily have a lot of time to hunt on Sundays. I would sometimes, but that to me doesn't matter. You know, just because I can't do it doesn't mean I think that no one should be able to do it, or just because I might not want to doesn't mean, um, you know, to me, it's, it's, to me, the whole religion thing doesn't necessarily play a role. I know it does with some people, but, um, the reason I say that is because, you know, the same people are saying, well, you know, religious reasons, you know, people aren't hunting on Sunday, but then you have all the stores open. So well, it's like, well, okay. There are football games. When do you watch football? You know, you <laughs> exactly. Got, you, every exactly. single so, person is getting out of church and watching their favorite football <laughs> team after they go out to exactly. eat. Like, so to me, it's it's not a religious thing as, as much as some people want to make it. And that's coming from a religious viewpoint, I guess. Um, so it's it's one of those things where there's other reasons at play be, besides that. Because, like, yeah, like I said, the football games are still going to happen. You're still going to go shopping. That's all still going to be a part of your day. Um, whether or maybe it isn't, but you have the choice to either make it part right. of your day or not. So Sunday hunting, you have the choice to go hunting or you have the choice to not go hunting, just like you do any other day of the week. Um, I know in Maine, really quickly, they one of the reasons is they're afraid of, of, and this is not necessarily the experts, this is just people are afraid. Well, one of the arguments is if we start doing Sunday hunting, then all those people who normally, um, you know, don't have their land posted, they're going to start posting their land because they don't want people on Sunday. The thing is, is I don't, you know, and a lot of it is being thought of in the realm of deer hunting, right? Because they're like, well, that's when most of the hunters are in the woods. You know, you might have, say, 100 people hunt deer, right? Well, maybe only 20 of those people bear hunt and maybe only five of those people turkey hunt. Deer hunting is definitely the, the big thing. I think that's that way in a lot of states. So, you know, they're, they're thinking of it in terms of deer hunting. Well, the woods are going to be flooded on Sunday. We want one day a week where people can go out and walk their dog in the woods and not be afraid of, you know, as they say, getting shot, which rarely ever happens anyway. So on even a Saturday. So I don't know why there, that's an argument, but um, there's that argument, which I, I tend to not really think that's the case because if people really were worried about that, they would have posted their land already, you know? Um, so then there's the argument of, well, we should let landowners hunt on Sunday, but not anyone else. And that's obviously causes a lot of issues. And then there's, well, maybe we should let small game hunting um, on Sunday, but not big game hunting. And, and I would, if that's how you get your foot in the door, I would more be a proponent of that. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe like Pennsylvania is doing it. Okay. We have three, three weekends, you know, three Sundays during deer season, we could hunt. Right. We have two, two Sundays during this season we could hunt. If that's how we have to start, I think that's a great way to start. Okay. We can do grouse hunting on Sunday in the fall. Great. Most people do that on. Hey, I'll take forest. something over nothing. Man. Right. Most you people know? do that on forest land anyway. They don't do that on private land. So, right. so however, the, I think that conversation does, um, need to happen at some point for sure 
So we'll see. You know, and, and all those reasons you mentioned are valid. And I've seen so many different types of things, but I always thought of, you know, growing up how, um, you know, on Saturdays we had to cram hunting in. You know, we had to go to our grandparents that Friday night. You know, we would, you know, have to cram it in on a Saturday. You were forced to do all day hunts because that's all, you, you know, you couldn't get out right. during the week. Um, you know, you, you were just rushed. Everything was rushed. Um, I always felt rushed as a kid of like, you got to get it done today. Um, and then mentally, I feel like too, like think of it like this, and this may be a crazy rabbit hole, but you know, if you, you know, a lot of people, like we don't eat a lot of meat from the store, you know, we eat a lot of game meat. Um, mm -hmm. so let's say you have, cause we have plenty of people I know, uh, especially Brian Halchek, for example, he hasn't eaten meat from the store in like six or seven years. So yeah. someone that relies on all that meat um protein for their family um and you know we can i've heard people say well you can go to the store well you know what you can go to the store you know i'm i want to get my own meat unprocessed untainted you know i know what it's eating i know what right. it looks like because i butcher all my own deer um but something that i i, I thought of before was um the um you know being crushed you know just being crunched and then on sunday we would do the church thing and and then go out to eat and just, the whole time i remember always thinking about hunting we would always go take a ride or something but um you know i just feel like to those people with limited time i just see so many more positives and negatives and um if somebody had a valid argument of why we couldn't do it i would totally be 100 percent to listen and and be like you know hey i'm very big on hey you know what you're right that, that does make sense i can understand but like you also said why not try a couple of things like pa i'm kudos mm -hmm. to pa for doing that it's not a lot but man it's that's honest work right there like that's three sundays i will take that over anything else um you know over just not doing it and a lot of the times is i feel like the government this is one thing um i had done a federal class once and he said the government's favorite or a bureaucrat's favorite thing to say is no um, because with no there's no drama there's no issues there's no someone getting shot right. with their dog while they're walking there's no um, a kid twisting their ankle and having to call a medical crew in there to help them get out of the mountains like with no everything's safe cozy and warm you know it's right. when you start allowing things that you run the risk of liabilities issues you know there could be a you know uh uh, diminish, diminishing the population. You said the turkey population grew drastically. Was that because, you know, they they did were able to have that day to escape, find new routes without the pressure of humans and being killed? Was that because there was one less day people had the opportunity to kill them? It's like, you know, I, I'm a data guy. I, I love numbers, and that's one thing I think of is like if you can put the stats in front of me that says, hey, no Sunday hunting these are all the pros and, and cons with it i'll understand it but just the oh because just doesn't fly you know yeah and and the thing is is like when you when you really think about it so our our archery season starts in um just talking to you here our archery season starts beginning of october and it goes all of october and then our rifle season comes in for residents it comes in the last saturday of october and then the uh, first monday of november uh, or the following monday is when it comes in for everyone and then we have two weeks of muzzleloader in December. So basically we have 10 weeks of, of deer season in Maine. Um, not We have a few smaller zones, like they call them expanded zones or in like urban areas where you can hunt in September with archery equipment. But those are just like five of those zones in the whole state and they're very pressured. But um, so the majority of our deer season is 10 weeks if you do archery, muzzleloader, everything. So you're talking 10 more days a year to hunt. 
if you're just doing deer season. And that's even if you do it in archery. Let's say you just do rifle. You're talking, you know, rifle and muzzle. You're talking six more Sundays, you know, six days more to hunt, not even a whole week. So I, I think we we often think of it as this like, oh, we're going to have, you know, oh, we have, you know, let's say we have 40 days to hunt during the season. This could be another 40. It's going to double the season. There's going to be the deer are going to be decimated. It's not we're we're talking about a very minimal amount of additional hunting, you know, um, in the big scheme of things. And so I don't think it's going to be, you know, again, I've read a lot about both sides of the argument. I think I think the big thing is, you know, okay, we're worried about posting land. Well, then let's get that relationship with the landowners. You know, I know that the landowners that, um, you know, I hunt timber company land, um, which is basically Maine's equivalent of public land. We do have some public lands, but a lot of quote unquote public land in Maine is, is forest land. Um, but I have uh, multiple spots on private that I hunt. And I can tell you right now that the spots on private that I hunt are not posted. I do have permission. Um, but those people will not post their land if Sunday hunting happens. It's just, I, I think we, we're thinking maybe a little too deep into it. And maybe yeah. people don't have the relationship with the landowner that they should have. You know, I think it's important that if you do have access to private grounds that you, you foster that relationship. You stay in touch with them. You, you know, give them meat when you get a harvest. You send them a, send them a Christmas card, you know, whatever the case may be, stay in touch with them. Don't, don't let it be one time a year. You see them, you know, let it be, multiple times i know the landowners that i hunt you know this one lady we got a turkey off her property this year i texted her a picture and she was like that's awesome congrats you know it's like stay in touch with them let them know when you get something i i killed a bear off the guy's property i sent him a picture and he was like that's awesome you know i just saw him and talked to him for 20 minutes the other day it's keep that relationship flowing don't just have it be like oh yeah i i hunt your land you never see me you never get anything from it you know um just just build a friendship really um, and I think that's important um, to to really, you know, if you're doing that, then there's there's no way a landowner is going to get upset when when something like that comes around. Um, yeah, for but sure. I, I think within my predictions within five years in Maine, something will be allowed on Sunday. I don't think it will be wide open, but I, I think we'll get to that point like Pennsylvania where where we're at least having the conversation and something's going in the right direction, but we'll see. So, I mean, going in the right direction is always the first step, man. You don't, I tell people all the time, you don't need to, you don't need to get crazy and get everything you want right then and there. Just a little bit at a time, you know, sometimes is okay. And, and, and it'll be done the right way when you do it right. slow and steady. I feel like it's done the right way. If you just throw something together because you took some medial stats from the last couple of years, it's not going to do as much, you know? Um, mm. And I'm glad you brought that up about the relationship. That is huge. I, um, we always give meat. Uh, we have a lot of private land we hunt in Florida that we have permission on for hogs and turkeys. And that's a huge thing. I will actually take pictures like we, I'm real big into turkey burgers. Um, I've mastered cooking them to where they taste <laughs> better than any deer burger or beef burger you're going to eat. Um, and I've really gotten into it. Uh, and I will text pictures like that to the landowner be like, you know, I'll make you some, um, you know, I've, yeah. I've taken a sausage, hog sausage. I've, mm. um, you know, and I know they don't eat a ton of it and stuff. Um, but that's one thing we do is we try to communicate, um, let them know what's going on. And also we maintain, uh, we always pick up the trash that's along the road, um, of the, a exactly. lot of the spots I have, it, it does connect to a hardball. Um, road and we, we always pick up the trash and we let them know um, you know I, when I first started doing it um, we would pick up trash and stuff I, I wanted to 
I didn't want to gloat, I guess. I'm not big in doing the, like, give food to a homeless person while you're videotaping it and then put it online. Like, I didn't want to kind of be right. like, you know, hey, I'm picking up trash all the time. And then I got to the point where I was like, I need to let them know because it's obviously an issue with trash being here. And I want them to know, like, hey, I'm helping to maintain this property. Um, and then I always let them know, you know, nothing against smokers or, or drinkers or anything like that. But I always let them know, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I don't smoke. I'm not going to leave cigarette butts. I'm not going to leave beer cans. I'm not going to, right. um, you know, shoot into your neighbor yard or or any of that other stuff um i've always found a good icebreaker was bow hunting um mm. you know turkey and hogs or, or hogs is always a foot in the door here because they will destroy everything but um you know door knocking um kind of segueing into that i talked to a lot of people this past weekend that said they were trying to door knock um, and they were getting shunned off and i'm like it's it's an art i've done really mm. well with door knocking and i have full tattoo sleeves i have my ears pierced um, I currently don't have a beard. I just shaved it, um, but I have a mustache now, and I uh, which is I, even worse. <laughs> which is way worse. Uh, much would have the scraggly beard over the mustache meeting someone, but uh, you know, it's always funny every time I pull up. I'm like, I'm not a cop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I currently look like one or a fire chief, but um, I uh, I literally, man, I, I presented, and I'm not trying to hide myself. Like one guy was like, well, I feel like that's lying. Like, it's not lying. I wear a long sleeve shirt. I take my earrings out. I comb my hair. I comb my beard. Um, you know, I make sure I've obviously showered. Um, I make sure that I have clean jeans on or clean boots. Right. Um, and right. I present myself in a way. I've even tucked my shirt in. Um, if they're an mm -hmm. old timer, I've tucked my shirt in before. Um, yeah. You know, if they're a little younger, I might not do it as much. But um, I have done those steps because that introduction. And then I've always segued into I'm big on sweat equity. I'm a big guy. I grew up on yeah. a ranch, you know, a farm ranch, and I, you know, have always worked strenuous, laborious jobs my whole life, and I consider myself pretty strong, so I can do, you know, fencing and, and all that stuff, and right. I have a basic knowledge with, with farm animals and things, so I always tell them, like, hey, man, I will help you clear out debris. I will help you, um, you know, if you need to cut wood. I will help you do all this stuff if you want to do a clear cut. I helped one dude do a little clear cut area um, because he wanted to burn it, you know, things like that, trade in sweat equity. If, if you make it all about you and you say, hey, I'm uh, Justin, um, I'm a good guy, and I want to hunt your land, and I'll give you some meat. I, I, most of the time, I think people are going to say no. But if you present in a way of, hey, you know, I'm, I really have a passion for hunting. I'm very ethical. I'm safe. Um, I noticed your property. It's a beautiful property. I'd love to, um, you know, do something for you in exchange for allowing me to bow hunt or hog hunt or turkey hunt. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are scared to be told no. You're going to be told no 300 times, but it only takes someone saying yes one time for you to have a good property. We were told no so many times when we started door knocking. And then we ended up closing the biggest property that's almost in that county. Um, and mm -hmm. we are the only ones who hunt it. Um, the only pressure is a farmer that comes there on because uh, he leases it and uh, does the hay. So that's literally the only pressure that's going to have. And he's in on farm equipment in the middle of the field. So the animals know what's going on with that. Um, right. But, you know, the, the um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there. bro, you're, you're good. Jump in. Um, the, most people have probably heard of the Seek One um, YouTube channel, and they have a podcast and everything. Those guys that hunt urban areas, they started in Atlanta, you know, right around Atlanta, Georgia, and they've since branched out to many different states, and they, they 90% of what they hunt is urban areas, so 90% of what they have to do is door knocking, and they've had some really good episodes on that, And but you'll see even them who they know what they're doing, they'll get turned down, you know, 15 times and get the one 
Yes, and they're hunting some areas where there's a lot of people who are very against hunting. They've actually, it's really cool because if you present, like you said, if you present yourself in the right way, you say the right things. And I don't mean saying the right things just to say them. I mean, they, they mean what they're saying, but yeah, you, you know yeah. you know what you're doing. Um, they'll get permission on properties of people who are not really for hunting. And sometimes they'll even get a call back and be like, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you do it because um, so it doesn't, you know, the other thing here is posted property. Knock on someone's door with posted property. Just because their property is posted does not mean they're not going to let you hunt there. It simply means that they pretty much want you to ask first. And you might get told no. You might say, hey, see that sign over there? Don't ask me again. But a lot of times you might get told yes because they simply post it so they, you don't just go on there without permission. So that doesn't mean, uh, you know, a no. And um, years ago, I don't know who it was that had said this or put this video out, but they were talking about ways to present yourself. And they said, they said don't go to the door you know, in your camo. It's like you get done turkey hunting, you're driving home, you got face paint on, you're covered in camo, and you see a good spot. Like, I'm going to swing in right now and ask them. No, go home, clean up first, then go. No, you know, you knock on some elderly lady's door and you're in camo with face paint on. It's, it's not it the way you... It can be overwhelming. Yeah, it, it, I can, mean, it can Right, and so you're starting off way behind already. Um, but it, it could be a, the difference between a yes or a no, just yeah. how you present yourself. And, you know, I've always been... Very much of if I'm going to knock on a door, I'm not going to be in hunting gear. I'm going to be in, you know, nice, nice pair of jeans and, you know, a shirt and, you know, a regular hat or whatever. Yeah, or don't be smoking a cigarette or <laughs> right. have a beer and in so, your hand. Or... And I, I mean, I knocked on the, the one door where we turkey hunted um, this spring. is a great piece of property. It's over 200 acres and some nice fields in there. And, and I talked to that lady for probably 30 minutes. She invited me in her house. We talked. My buddy was still in the truck. He was in the truck the whole time. I come out and I'm like, hey, it's, hey, we got permission. He's like, awesome. He's like, I figured something must have been going at least good because you were in there forever, you know. Yeah. So, very nice lady. But, um, you know, and she, her her husband used to hunt properties since deceased, and you know, uh, she was all for it, and you know, really had a good good time talking with her. But it, again, it was just the start of of building that um, building that relationship. I even told another property where I hunt. He, he's been logging it for years now. He's sort of done logging this tract of land. And he's like, ah, I saw him the other day. He's like, I got to get this all cleaned up. Cause you know, he has different areas where he was logging. He's got like old you know, oil cans and his bar chain oil. And he's got pieces to chainsaws. He's got pieces to his excavator and his skitter. And he was like, I got to come up here and clean this all out. And I said, well, if you need help doing that, let me know. You know, I'm because I've hunted his property now for five years. I've killed deer there. I've killed bear there. You know, he's, he doesn't have a problem. We always ask him, hey, are you going to be logging over here? I'm going to put a stand here. He's like, nope. Or, yep, I'll be logging over there in October, so don't put a stand there, you know. And, and we, we keep in touch, but he wants to clean his property up. And so I offered to help. And, you know, I hope he does take me up on the offer. I hope he, you know, I see him again. He's like, yeah, I'll take you up on that because I'd love to help him help him clean it up. Um, Man, I tell you know, he's you been, that's a that's a small sacrifice, too. Very small sacrifice of your time and a little bit of physical effort and I mean, that could be the best your best hunt, you know, of your yeah. life for all you know. Exactly. And even on the, the timber company land, which, like, again, is basically that acts as our public land here in Maine because we don't – we have, like, it's 90% private owned. But timber companies own large, vast tracts of land. So, fortunately, they don't – the only thing you need permission on on the timber company land is to put a bear site, like a bait site. You can moose hunt. You can deer hunt, bird hunt, all that type of stuff. Um, just, you know acting like it's public land but you've got to take care of the land you're hunting on right so when we're bird hunting we're driving the roads you know if there's beer cans or boxes or trash we pick it up and sometimes you know you'll see a bag of trash obviously fell out of someone's truck they don't intend to throw it out there but 
I one time, like two years ago, we were we were bird hunting. It's one stretch of road. I, I picked up so many beer cans. I was like, if I get pulled over by a game warden right now, he's going to have some major questions for me because he's going to think I've been drinking this whole time. But, like, you know, it, it doesn't take anything to pull over, pick it up, throw in the bed of the truck, and keep going. But it just – it it you know, there might be someone who works for the logging company coming out behind you, and they see that, you know, and that's that says a lot. Or they see that there's not a bunch of trash all around, and, and that says, you know, that it's just people are taking care of it. And I think that's that's very, very important. It's not – you know, hunting is, is in a lot of ways, it's very small uh, percentage is really about the kill. Um, there's so much more that, that goes into it, um, you know, preparation and relationships and conservation and just all that type of stuff, learning, knowledge. And, you know, the kill is just the icing on the cake, as they say. No, I 100% agree. Um, I 100% agree. And some of my best hunts, uh, we ha- didn't take any gain. Um, hunts that I made great friendships and um, just overall just had a great experience great learning experience um, you know lots of tips to success Um, you know a lot of times we are successful but you know I definitely don't put those successful hunts over top of those um, you know not so successful hunts so um, that's huge and, and hopefully that helps people that maybe have been nervous about door knocking and I tell people all the time the worst they're gonna do is tell you no that's the exactly. absolute worst thing. If you present yourself right and you roll up like you got some sense, you will be fine. Can be told no, right? That's no. all they're going to do is tell you no world. and to please leave. And you say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Have a good day. Thank you for your time. Move on. And you know what I do? I go back to them in a couple months. Yep. Unless they tell you don't ever come back again, which that right. hasn't happened. Um, you know, and me being somewhat of having a salesman personality, um, you know, I'm big into coming out the gate hot and saying, look, uh, you know, not picking on little old ladies, but look, little old lady, I will help you do (laughs) any type of physical. I'm not a huge handyman, but I can watch a YouTube video and figure it out. We can paint, you know, if you need some painting done, whatever they need. um, I always tell them whatever you need me to do. I've even uh, went to town and got groceries, Mm. you know, for people. So, um, you know, there's always something. There's always something, you know, you don't need to be able to build a house to get permission on land, you know. You can <laughs> right. help, like you said, help. picking up trash. <laughs> you know, the picking up trash is, is huge. Um, you know, it's, it's real big. And like I told you before, I used to not publicize that, but now I do because I feel like it needs more. It's more so for awareness than clout, you know. Mm-hmm. The other thing is most states have, you know, I know in Maine we have landowner appreciation days where – you can get together with your local maybe ATV club or snowmobile club or with the local wardens and you can go and we have stream cleanups and we have landowner cleanups, you know, where people might go dump a whole truckload of junk onto a private property and people will go and they clean it up and that happens all across the state. And I think it's, you know, important to, you know, do that as well, get involved with that. And, and, um, you know, we've done stuff like that before where we've helped out cleaning up properties and streams and stuff like that. And I think that's important because that's, you know, a statewide initiative. Um, and the more people involved in that, you know, the, the better for sure. But, um, yeah. Plus the networking that comes with it, because, you know, I, I never stress this. Me and Jimmy have had so many conversations since I've been up at HQ this past week about the power of networking. Someone had asked him, um, he has a lease, a very, very, you know, good price lease in Missouri. Um, you know, crazy. You couldn't even get something like that in Florida, and we don't nearly have the caliber of deer. Um, but, you know, everyone's always asked him, like, how'd you get that? 
literally networking. I think he said they mm. were at a um, chiropractic event, and he just was having a conversation with this lady that it came uh, was near them or something, and she was like, "You need to meet my husband." Um, she's like, you know, my husband hunts a lot. I think you guys would, would really click. So he did. Um, and the guy had the hookup for it and was like, you know, we're full, but if anyone drops out, I'll hit you up. And all that was, was a conversation. Um, just right. like, you know, and that's my point with that story was the, uh, landowner appreciation day. Um, I'm actually going to look in Florida and see if we have anything like that when I get home. Um, but things like that, you helping that guy out and just, you know, you're not always going to get something out of helping someone out. You know, right. I tell people all the time, just cause you give a homeless guy $10 doesn't mean that you're going to find a hundred on the street. Right. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to do it out of the goodness of your heart and just do it because it needed to be done. But if you can try to cut out those variables of the unknown and just ask them questions, talk to them. Hey, you know, has anyone ever hunted here before, you know, or what kind of game do you have here? Or, you know, when you move into it and you start talking, I've gotten permission through little events like that uh, with turkey mm -hmm. where someone yep. will say, I've got so many coyotes and they're killing the turkey. And I'm like, hey, I'd love to come take out some coyotes with you. You know, we'll have fun. You know, we'll sit on the porch and call them in. And, you know, they live way back in the country. So we'll call them in. They eat his chickens and all kinds of stuff. Um, and yeah. then that segued into me saying, hey, I bow hunt. Um, I'd love to be able to take a turkey with the bow there. Um, I know it's really hard and difficult, but I'd like to give it a shot. And I have literally got permission where they're like, you know what? I don't know. Let me ask my wife. Let me talk about it. We're not real big into hunting. The only reason we wanted to kill the coyotes because they were killing our chickens and, and things. And then next thing you know, they talk to the wife and they ask me a couple more questions. And he's like, you know what? It's fine. He's like, just be careful. Let us know when you're here. And we have a great relationship now. I see him probably every couple of weeks. We chat, ask him if he needs anything. I'll throw him some ground venison or ground turkey. And, um, you know, it's a good relationship. But it can't just be transactional. You know, can right. I and hunt? No? Okay, have a nice right. day. <laughs> right. And you have to be, with networking, you have to be genuine. You know, yes. um, fortunately for me, I, you know, with doing the guiding, I get to meet a lot of really cool people. Like at Bear Camp. I meet some of the coolest people from all walks of life, from all across the country. Um, and I'm really enjoying that. But if I just sat down and my only goal, which this isn't even a goal, it's like when when all you're thinking about is I'm in this conversation, but I'm only here to get permission to hunt or I'm only here to get something out of it. It's like, no, you have to be genuine. You have to build those relationships first and foremost. If hunting comes from it or later on you built a relationship to the point where you can say, hey, you know, had you ever thought about, you know, letting someone hunt there or whatever the case may be? you'll start getting invites to go hunt places. You'll start, someone will text you and be like, hey, look, you know, they'll send you pictures of deer. You should come hunt here. And that's happened to me, but it's not because I'm looking for it or because I'm sitting down and my only goal is to, to get that person to give me permission. It's like you, you have to be, you have to be genuine um, about it. You have to, they have to know that you're really interested in, you know, them or in the conversation or, you know, people, sometimes people with land too, is they get, they get asked by so many, like you said, they get asked, Oh, can I hunt here so many times in the year to where they're in there? They might be inundated with it. Or if someone owns a bunch of land or they have a good place to hunt, you know, everyone's always looking for something for nothing, right? right. <laughs> That's the world in which we live. And unfortunately hunters can be that way. So you have to make sure that you're being genuine about it. You know, if they invite you down to hunt, invite them to hunt with you somewhere, whether you have private land or you take them on a public land hunt or you know a good place where there's birds or 
they want to come to Maine and see a moose, even if it's not hunting. They just want to go somewhere where they can see a moose. You know, I'll take them there. But, but you know, don't just have it be a one-way street. Um, it, whether they take you up on the offer or not, at least offer it and be genuine about it. And, and you know, um, because that, that's what it's all about. It's not just about looking for what can I get out of this person. It's, okay, well, what can I give in return? Or how can I help them out when I'm down there? Maybe they need some, like, oh, they're, they're doing a project when you're down there. In the afternoons when I'm not hunting, I'll help you out with it, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I've been fortunate enough to get some invites that I hope to, probably not this fall, but hopefully next fall, take people up on the offer and actually be able to hunt a couple more states, you know, out of state here. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's really cool when you start. Networking is a really, really cool thing when, you, when you're able to do it, um, kind of see where it leads. It's really cool. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm glad you kind of uh, went into detail on that with the, what is being genuine because, you know, yeah, you can still have it in the back of your head. I know I do, but you can't come out the gates like that. You really need to make sure people understand you're being genuine because those are going to be your best relationships and, and your best hunts. And I always tell people all the time, I'm like, man, once you get in, you're in. You know, if you do everything mm. right and you're in, you're in. And uh, um, especially because you're not going to be the last one to knock that door. So they're going to see how much you uh, they're going to compare you with each person that knocks that door after. So the way you're doing it, they're going to almost have that standard, that bar where they're going to be like, well, that person didn't do this. They rolled up in their camera camo or they had a cigarette in their mouth or, you know, they had, you know, just didn't, you know, didn't shake my hand, just looked awful or whatever. Um, you know, and, and I think that they're going to look at you as like almost the standard of like now when someone knocks the door, if they don't do it this way, you know, I'm definitely going to shoo them off. Right. And, and it could be the difference between, you know, if you're just someone who hunts their land, doesn't do anything for them, they don't, they don't feel like they're getting anything from it. Then they're, what's, what's, you know, going to stop them from saying yes to the next person. And the next person might come along and be that guy who's like, Hey, I'll help you with your property. I'll help you with this. And they're like, you're in and the other guy's out. <laughs> you yep, know what I mean? For sure. If you don't have that relationship, there's nothing keeping them from actually like giving you access year after year. And yeah. So, and the other thing is don't assume because you ask them, you know, the other thing is if you have that one, you ask them one time, they say, yeah, you can hunt my property. And then you just assume that every year is going to show up and hunt their property and you never see them. You haven't seen them in five years. You know, no, you got to see them or else you got to check again or whatever. Cause you know, people forget. So be, be, um, be on their radar, you know, have them see you from time to time. That way you don't have to think about like, the, Oh, I got, I haven't seen him in a year. Maybe I should ask them again. Don't even worry about that. If they see you enough, if they are in contact with you, you don't have to keep, Oh, I haven't, you know, it's been two years. Maybe I should ask them again. No, just, just be, be there and um, be visible and you'll be fine. For sure. So Ezra, we're working on about an hour and a half here. We'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Oh, it was great, great episode. A lot of great bear information and, you know, we went down a few rabbit holes at the end, which is great because we actually haven't had this conversation in a while on door knocking and just presenting hunting and, um, you know, being the change you want to see in the world is, is how I'll put it. But um, where can our listeners reach you if they have any questions? I know you have a guide service also, so throw that plug, let's throw a plug in for that and, um, you know, give us uh, the 411 and I'll also put that stuff in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. So um, right now I, I am a you know, licensed main guide. Um, I guide for another outfitter right now and looking to get more of my own thing going in the next couple of years here. But um, if anyone wants to reach out to me, they can find me on like, uh, Instagram at string Dean. <laughs> uh, that, that's my handle. Um, they can also just find me on Facebook under my name um, and they could shoot me a message. 
uh, through Facebook Messenger or through Instagram. And then if, you know, I don't want to put my number out there necessarily, but then I'll give them my number. They can text me, right. call me, whatever. Um, and then, you know, if you have questions, I am, you know, being a guide, I, I am able to be connected with other outfitters and guides. And I, I know quite a few guides and outfitters uh, in the state. So if there's something you're looking to come hunt, whether I'm guiding you on it or if you want, you know, a world class bear hunt or um, bird hunt with dogs or whatever you might be looking to do, bear hunt with dogs, you know, moose hunt, reach out to me. If I can't do it, I'll put you in contact with someone who can. Um, more than happy to talk to you on the phone. So yeah, just you can find me under Ezra Dean on Facebook and under my name or on at String Dean on Instagram. And feel free to reach out. Any questions? Always happy to discuss and share and talk and all that stuff. Awesome, man. Well, brother, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna get this out uh, as soon as possible. Um, but thanks for uh, jumping on the the podcast, and we'll definitely uh, do another one soon. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate it. All right, you guys are listening to Whitetail Theories Podcast.